Our scripture lesson today is from Micah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with his people. And he will contend with Israel, O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised. What Balaam, son of Beor, answered him. And what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Today the topic is candor, candor. Tom Berlin in his book, Courage, Jesus in the Call to Brave Faith, says that candor is spoken courage. I thought that was such an interesting definition. I'm not sure though what to do with that because in this particular season of our world, our culture, our reality, candor is really hard. In fact, I cannot remember a time in my life when candor, as we're going to define it in this sermon, has been in such short supply and when brutal honesty has been the source of so much pain. And those are opposites of each other. Candor and brutal honesty, absolute opposites of each other. So here's the difference. Candor is not about meeting a need to get something off my chest but rather about the honesty required to move a relationship forward. Now, the line between those two things is awfully fine. And it moves. And it's hard sometimes to know which side of that line you're on, but there is a line. Brutal honesty is not candor. And candor is not brutal honesty. And the difference between those two is so important to today's message. So we're going to begin by defining what candor is and what candor is not. Candor is open, honest, and direct. Okay? Three, those three things. It is open, honest, and direct. Candor is not ugly, dramatic, or promoting of drama. 
or shaming. If that openness to speak whatever you feel elicits an ugly uh, feeling or response to someone else, that is not candor. Heather, Heather's experience with her grandmother really clarified for us when she was sharing this and we were writing our sermon together. Uh, I thought that is the perfect example of the difference between the two. So I want to use her story this morning. She gave me permission to do that. But I want to tell you a little bit about her grandmother. Heather's actually named for her maternal grandmother. Her maternal grandmother's name was Wooloo, and that's Heather's middle name, Heather Wooloo. Heather's maternal grandmother, Wooloo, had her father die when she was only three years old. And so Wooloo grew up living in the same home with Heather's great-great-grandparents. Wooloo used to always say that she was old-fashioned and a generation removed because she grew up in her grandparents' home. Heather never doubted that her grandmother loved her and wanted what was best for her. And Heather, for most of her life, was blessed to live close enough to walk to Wooloo's house as often as she wanted. She was very, very close to her grandmother. So what she says about her grandmother is that she didn't put up with ill manners or bad posture. Those were kind of those two things. It was like, uh, no, no. Over the years, you've probably heard Pastor Heather quote her grandmother many times. In fact, Heather was telling me that you actually would quote Heather's grandmother back to her sometimes because a few of the favorite quotes that she uses from her grandmother are, put on lipstick so you don't look dead. And I've never seen a body yet that didn't look better with clothes on. Those are, those are good, right? Um, so in case you want to use them, put on lipstick so you don't look dead. And I've never seen a body yet that didn't look better with clothes on. But when the hospice chaplain asked Willow if she was saved towards the end of her life, this was her response. I wake up every day and decide if I'm going to behave as if I'm saved. Wow. Because Heather's grandmother, Wooloo, was a good Methodist. And we understand the power of sanctifying grace, right? The gift that God gives us when we say yes, justifying grace is powerful, amazing, and life-changing. But you are not done. You are saved every single day when you wake up and realize that you're going to behave that day as if you are saved. So that's a little bit about Heather's grandmother, well, Lou liked to brag that she was always honest, but that honesty would cut deeply at times. As a teenager, Heather remembers trying to tell her grandmother a story about what had happened to her that day, and Willou kept interrupting her so many times to correct her grammar that in frustration, Heather finally said, do you want me to share my story with you or not? You see... That is honesty, but that might have crossed the line into brutal honesty. As an adult, Heather finally became brave enough to say to her grandmother, sometimes your honesty that you're so proud of, Grandma, is brutal. And Willou was stunned. She just stared at Heather. I share these examples with you to illustrate that when honesty gets paired with shame, it is no longer loving or even helpful. It is not candor. It's mean. So you can see why the line we're trying to draw in this sermon is so important. Most of what we experience in our world and culture today, friends, in the name of candor, is not candor. 
It's brutal honesty. And it hurts. It's ugly. It produces shame. And so you know what our response is? Well, then we just won't say anything. But that's not courageous. Because there are times when the truth is called to be spoken. So we're going to turn to the scripture this morning as we observe how God navigates this line. Because as you can see, the line between candor and mean is really fine. But God gives us the perfect example in the prophet Micah today of how it is that we can navigate this line. So just a little context. By the time Micah reports this conversation between God and God's people, there's a lot of painful history in this relationship. So very early in the relationship that is reported in the book of Genesis, God reaches out to form a people through the one we know as the father of our faith, Abraham. And God is faithful to the covenant that God makes with Abraham, a covenant promise of land and progeny. And that then, in fact, happens despite some very severely dysfunctional family dynamics. So if you're interested in a good read, just read through the book of Genesis, particularly chapters 12 and following, and you'll see that God had to do a mighty work in spite of that family. But God did. God was faithful through Abraham to to bring about this covenant. And eventually Abraham's descendants ended up in Egypt so they didn't starve to death. And there God was faithful to them. They flourished into a strong and vibrant people. So strong, in fact, that they became a threat to the Pharaoh who decided that they were better as slaves and servants than they were as human beings. And even then, God was faithful to liberate them from slavery under the Pharaoh and guide them through 40 years. 40 years. I know the pandemic has been a long one, but 40 years, friends, of wilderness wandering. God was faithful to them. God brought them to the promised land, gave them victory and possession of the land, asking only one thing in return, faithfulness. Worship only me, God says to them. I, Yahweh, the one true God, keep your eyes on me alone. Be devoted to me alone. Can you guess how that went? Because squirrel, right? Shiny things. That's, that's who we are as people, right? It was true for them. It's true for us. And it just didn't go so well. By the point that Micah reports this interaction between God and the people, it really has become a one-sided relationship. I don't know if you have one-sided relationships in your life, but at this point, here's the relationship. God gives, the people take. It doesn't ever go the other way. So from the mouth of Micah, God is candor, candid with them, demanding a reckoning. So the scene that you read about in Micah chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, is intended to remind you of a courtroom, right? Where the plaintiff comes in and names the wrong. This is what God says, Oh my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. Does that feel like candor? Yeah. You know, this has been going on for centuries now. Come on. And then God reports to them 
helping them to remember the faithfulness for I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of slavery and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people. Oh, my people. Remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him. And God delivered them in every single situation. Remember what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. Remember, people, my people, remember that I have been faithful to you. That's candor, right? It's open, honest, and direct. It is not ugly. It's not dramatic. It's not shaming. It's just simple, open honesty that is direct. Candor, then, at its best, always offers a safe space for the other to repent. And this is something that we have really missed in the difficult culture that we have created around honesty and sometimes brutal honesty. We don't offer safe space for people to repent anymore. In fact, we just simply want to run over them to get our way when we are honest with them. But that is not how it happens in the scripture. So candor at its best offers safe space for the other to repent. It doesn't mean that they will, but just that they have a safe space to recognize the trespass, feel sorrowful at that recognition, and form a plan for how they're going to act differently in the future. And you don't really see this in the scripture, but there is a break um, when, when uh, the people begin to respond, and this is their word, with what shall I come before the Lord, all right? So we've been hearing from God, and now the people in this courtroom scene begin to respond, with what shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before God on high? Somewhere in the middle of that paragraph, they had safe space to repent, And they begin to ask the question, now what? What do we do? And it's interesting how at each step, their offering of sacrifice to the Lord takes one step up. Listen to how it goes. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old? That would have been a very significant offering in that period of time. Well, probably not. That's probably not enough. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams. Notice how we went from calves a year old to thousands of rams. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? No, probably not. With 10,000s of rivers of oil? No, probably not. And then listen to what they offer. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? I don't know how you feel about that question, but that was so painful for me when I was reading that, that they would think that God would demand the firstborn as a reckoning for their sin. They are really in a tough place, and repentance can sometimes land us there. What in the world can we do, God, to make this right? It's interesting then what God gives them, safe space. Safe space to form a plan for acting differently in the future, which that is what repentance means. You all have heard me say this many times, but 
Please be clear, repentance simply means turning around, recognizing that you were headed away from God and making the choice to turn back towards God. And as they repent, this is what the scripture says. This is from the words of Micah, God offering them this gift. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There aren't enough offerings, friends, that you can bring to make that right. But you can, as an offering, say, I will choose to live differently now because of your candor, because of your open, honest, and direct conversation with me and the safe space you provided for me to repent. Now I will choose to live differently. That is candor at its best. The relationship gets healthier. The bonds get stronger. And forgiveness on both sides becomes more likely. I still think the line between candor and brutal honesty is very fine. And I don't know that it's always clear which side we're standing on, but I do think it's important for us to consider that candor is spoken courage. And there are times where we are called to candor. So take a moment to consider if there is a particular relationship or relationships in your life where candor is needed, where your decision to hold back, to not speak the truth, to withhold, is hurting that relationship. I don't know if you would have this response, but whenever I began to consider the relationships in my life where candor is needed, I immediately had this response come up within me. You know what? It doesn't matter because they won't listen anyway. Did anybody else? I mean, you don't have to identify. I can just say it for me. You know, I mean, I started thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I've kind of held my tongue there. Kind of, you know, I'll just, okay. I don't really agree with them when they speak to me, but I don't really say, you know what? That doesn't feel right to me either. And I just told myself, it's okay because they won't listen anyway. Friends, whether or not the other person is able to respond appropriately does not alleviate God's call on me, on us, to be candid. We don't get out of it just because they won't listen. And then the question becomes, okay, well, how do you be candid and not brutally honest? Because that's not life-giving. Brutal honesty is death-dealing. It only serves to further the pain that we create in our culture right now with our words. No, God is calling us to be candid in ways that build the relationship, that are spoken courage, that help the other as well as us to have deeper, stronger, better relationships. And so as I close today, I want to offer you a beautiful guide for how and when to speak with candor. It's simple yet complete. This has been my guide for a very many years now, and it has never guided me wrong. These four questions were given to me by my spiritual director many years ago, and in my experience, they just work. I printed them for you on the bulletins this morning if you want to take them home, uh, but we'll put them up on the screen for you as well, particularly for those of you who are watching online with us this morning. If you face a need for candor in a particular relationship, 
These are the four questions you should ask. Number one, is it true? Is what I need to say to them true? Now, many times when I ask that particular question, what I realize is, from my perspective, yes, it's true. There might be another way to look at it. There might be some information that I don't know or don't understand. So that is always a very important question. First of all, is it true? Do I know it to be true? Number two, is it mine? Many times what I would prefer to be candid about with people really isn't mine to tell. It's how I feel about something, but it's not my story. It's somebody else's story. So I have to be careful about that. Number three, is it time? There really is something to be said for waiting until the time is right to be open, honest, and direct, which is candor, of course. And number four, very important, is it kind? Is there anything in what I need to say to this person that could be considered mean? And if you wonder about that, just imagine them saying it to you. And if it feels mean, then it probably is. Okay? Those are great questions, right? Is it true? Is it mine? Is it time? Is it kind? And as you pray with these four questions, if you are led to a yes at each one, then it's time to speak. And the time that you spend in prayer and discernment with those four questions will bring the words that need to be spoken to keep you close to Christ and them close to Christ as they hear them. So here's my prayer for us this morning. May God hold our tongues when we have not done our homework. And may God give us the courage to speak when we have. Amen.